Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Stay standing. We're going to get into our sermon for today. We're going to wrap up our sermon series that we've been in called Dwell. Somebody say Dwell with me. Dwell. We've been looking all throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament how God has desired to dwell with his people. And I'm excited to finish off this sermon series. That also means next week we start something new. Now we got a fun one next, starting next week, all right? And, and this is going to go with us for a few weeks. And this is really something that I'm really praying you're going to invite someone to. We're going to do a sermon series called Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. Culture's going sideways. Church, you don't need me to pontificate on that. You just know what's happening. How do we say tethered to God's word? How, how, How do we allow ourselves to be led by God's word and not the changing culture? We're going to dive into that. It's a great series for you to invite coworkers to. It's a great series for you to invite friends to. I think every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite someone. But that one, if you've got family, maybe it's a son or daughter, cousins, aunts, uncles, where you're like, you know, they've kind of been going through it with their kids. We want to help them. We want to resource them. We want to show them through the truth of God's word how they can raise up world changers and raise up people to love and fear God. And so we're diving into that. Y'all excited about that? I'm excited about it. But listen, I also want to just drop in there, um, you know, Fall is for the family here at Lighthouse Church. We're, we're transitioning. I know it don't feel like fall under this tent and this heat. But pretty soon fall will be here. And you can bring out your sweaters. It should hit us by December. But uh, it's a San Diego joke anyway. Um, um, fall is coming. And, and uh, with that, we've decided to really just tweak a lot of what we do to focus on families. Now, I will say, parents, if you've not yet registered your children for VBS, Vacation Bible School, you are missing out on an opportunity here. And so the church is getting ready to serve your kids. Listen, we shut everything down for this week. There's no college. There's no student night. There's nothing. We are going all in on your children. So it would behoove you to get your children here. It would behoove you to get some of your, your, your friends and family and coworkers. Have them get their children here. And every night for three hours, we're going to pour into your kids. And our staff is ready to make a difference in their life. So, so listen, when we start talking about, you know, preserving your children, raising your children in a crazy culture, you can do your part by getting them here, mom and dad. Just, just, just get them here. And if they don't want to come, you bring them anyway, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, as long as you're living under this roof, you're coming, you know what I'm saying? So, so get them here anyway. If you got any questions, ask our team at the start here at Canopy. Ask some of our L Kids team, but it's going to be a phenomenal week. I can't wait. I'm going to be here every night this week, and I can't wait to see your kids. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and let's bring this series home. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verses 13 through 16. Jesus is speaking. This is his worldwide famous sermon on the mount. This is what he says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're also the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, and we're going to wrap this series up. 
simply calling it dwell with others. Dwell with others. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence that is here. We thank you, God, because you have been moving, been moving in worship, communion, fellowship, just amongst your people today, God. And now, Father, as we turn our ear towards your word, I pray that you speak to us. I pray, Father, that um, as I speak corporately, that you would speak individually. Your Holy Spirit's going to deposit a word today. We're believing, Lord God, that today's going to be a day of great transformation. Today's going to be a day where someone encounters you for the first time. Today's going to be a day, to God, where people walk in one way, but they leave changed. We believe this. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time, and you may be seated. Dwell with others. If you don't know this about me, I grew up in a house full of boys. I had three brothers. I have three brothers. I didn't have that. I still have them. Uh, I haven't gotten rid of any of them yet. But um, I have three brothers. And, uh, you know, my, there's my father, and then there's my mother. My poor mom, she had to put up with five guys. I mean, I mean it's just, that's just a lot. Can I get any amen from on the other moms? Especially moms of boys. Let me get an amen if boys are alive. And so my mom, she just had to put up with us. And so, as you can imagine, if you growing up with a house full of that much testosterone, things break. They, they, things just break. I mean, we, we didn't mean to break things, but we broke things. And um, you learn how to make things kind of work if you would do it a certain way. And, and, and so, you know, like, there's certain doors in your house. Some of y'all are going to agree with me. Some of you are going to be like, he is strange. There's, there's certain doors in your house that when you go to shut them, they won't shut unless you lift them up a little bit, and then you shut them. Or then there's just like a cupboard where, like, that, that don't close unless you kind of push it down. There. That works. You see that? There's a button on a remote. You know it's like, no, that button don't work unless you hold it for three seconds. But if you hold it for three seconds, it'll work. And, and there's a name for it. It means to finesse something. And my wife hates it. See, she didn't grow up in that type of house where things were kind of holding on and you kind of finesse something a certain way. She, she's, just, she's just not in agreement with that. But, but that's just the way I was raised. And I thought that was normal. I brought that with me into my marriage. I'm like, oh, honey, it works. You just got to lift it, lift it, push it, tweak it, do this. It works. It works. Let me, take, let me, let me talk to all my 40-something-year-old crowd in the room. Come on, I'm going to talk your language right now. How many of you were owners of the original Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES? Come on, make some noise. We're all my people that are, Yeah. You know we had to finesse that thing, right? What would you do when the video game wasn't working? Hey, come on, that's what I'm talking about. You didn't get a new system, you blew in the game. If you blew, it'll work. All the kids in the room are like, what is wrong with you guys? That's why your generation's all screwed up. No, it worked, just blow. Stick it in, it works. You don't buy a new system, you blow. Anyway, um, it's funny because I brought that into my marriage and my wife's like, no. And even recently, like, there's a door in the house, and I'm like, babe, it works. You just got to, never mind, I'll fix it. I'll just fix it. <laughs> How many are the opposite, where you're like, things need to work the way they were intended to work? Raise your hands. Where's all my people that are like, you better fix it, because I'm not finessing nothing. You're going to fix it, and it needs to work the way it's intended to work. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today, about getting back to the way things are supposed to be, for things to work the way they're supposed to work. And that's why we've been in this whole series in Dwell, because I believe that through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, we see these patterns. And God has a blueprint, and God has a design, and I don't think he intends for you to finesse your way into heaven. There's certain things that you're supposed to do. There's certain things that you can't get wrong. There's just certain things that need to function as they were designed to function. So let's go all the way back to Genesis for a second. I'm just going to use this as a precursor. But in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible records that God walked with Adam. And he talked with Adam. The Bible records it in some really nice language. It says, and God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. 
It must not have been in San Diego. There's no cool days in San Diego. But it's like God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And, and then that language and that imagery lets you know that there was a relationship, there was, there was proximity, there was a closeness that God had with Adam. That was his design. But if you get to Genesis chapter 3, something happens. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Sin enters into the world. And what sin does is sin separates us from God. That's a good thing to write down right there. If you've always wondered what is sin and why is it so bad and why shouldn't I do these things that I feel like doing because ultimately sin will separate us from God. And, and, and God doesn't want you doing anything that is going to separate you from him. He, he so desires this closeness. Why? Because that was his design. Genesis 1, Adam, God. He, he, he designed us to live in this closeness with him. So when sin entered into the world, now God's got to deal with the problem. So he sends his son Jesus to come and to die as us. He dies in our place. And I love it because what he does is he fixes that sin problem once and for all. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I am thankful. I rejoice when I think about the fact that God has already fixed the sin problem. If you're excited about it, make some noise in this tent, Lighthouse Church. Can never, don't ever let that get dull. Oh, yeah, yeah, he fixed it. No, 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 no. Like, like you can't let that get stale. The fact that we are already forgiven, the fact that he's forgiven us, and all we have to do is receive that forgiveness. That's, that's the good news of the gospel, that there's nothing you have to do. All you've got to do is receive what's already been made available for you. Now, that's God's original design. And then we get into the New Testament where now we get this verse, and we talked about this last Sunday, and I'm going to pause right here for the cause and just say that uh, our production team, they are top shelf. Let's give it up for the production team right now. I love you all. Last week, we dove into what I'm going to talk about, so if you missed it, go back and watch it online. And the reason I had you shout them down is they showed up last Sunday, and the Saturday before, we did demo day. And we had an efficient demo day. As a matter of fact, our guys were so efficient, when you told them throw away anything that's in this room, they threw away everything in the room, including the Wi-Fi router. <laughs> so we kind of had a little bit of a mishap. Showed up on Sunday, there's no internet. We're like, what in the world happened? And they said, well, you said throw it away. We threw it away. They didn't mind that it looked expensive and said, Cox, we threw it away. Anyway, we got that all back and ready. But I appreciate it because they pivoted and they got the sermon online. So if you missed it or if you were at home all salty, there's no live stream today. Just give them a round of applause. They're just amazing people. They just, you know... They were freaking out. They were like, Pastor, what do we do? And they just made it happen. So last week we talked about, but let me give you this key verse that we talked about last week one more time. Don't you know that you are God's temple? Don't you know that you are God's temple? And so not only did God deal with the sin issue, and not only did he deal with the issue that separated us from him, but then he puts his spirit inside of us. He, he puts his spirit on the inside of us and that sets the stage for Matthew chapter 5 so now let's dive into Matthew chapter 5 knowing that he has dealt with the sin issue we we now have forgiveness of sins and Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 5 he says don't you know that you are the salt of the earth don't you know that you are the salt of the earth I I love that language because when you think about what salt is and and you might be thinking, like, like, why of all the things that he choose salt? Like, he could have called us a steak, a tomahawk, a ribeye, you know, whatever you like. For all the vegan, tofu, just doesn't sound right in Jesus' name. Anyway, <laughs> but he chose salt. 
He said, you, you are the salt of the earth. And, and I believe the reason for that is just this simple, simple connotation that salt is a change agent. Salt will change any environment that it is placed into. You put salt on your steak, it gets salty. You put salt on your veggies, your veggies get salty. You put salt, whatever. You, you put salt on something, it gets salty. And I believe that's why you should realize that, that when God used that language and said, you're the salt of the earth, he's letting us know that you should bring change to every environment that you are in. You, you need to be the one bringing change to every environment that you are in. Do you want to know what doesn't happen with salt? You don't put salt on your steak and your salt tastes steaky. It'll catch up in a second. You don't put salt on your vegetables and your salt starts tasting more like vegetables. No, that, that doesn't happen. Salt isn't affected by what it touches. Salt affects what it touches. And, and, and I think the problem with sometimes us here in the church is rather than us changing our environment, our environment changes us. And, and he's called us to go into all these places and spaces and affect change. And instead of it affecting change... That's affecting us. And so you, you start talking to someone. Recently, I was in the South. And I don't know if you've ever been to the South, but they talk different in the South. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Stay there long enough, you start talking like them. It's the weirdest thing. Just stay there long enough, like, y'all, where are we going to go eat? Like, you never said that. You're from San Diego. Stop talking like that. But, but you hang around an environment long enough, and things start to change. And I think what happens is we, start, we lose our saltiness because... We start allowing other environments to change us. And God's design was not that other environments would change us, but that we would be able to go into other environments and that we would be the ones to affect change. So when we go to school, and we're going to be going back to school pretty soon here, can I get a loud amen from all the moms and dads ready to send their kids back to school? Jesus, we love you. We <laughs> love you when you're at school. Anyway, um, but, but listen to me, kids. When you go back to school, students... You should be changing the environment. The environment should be changing you. Mom and dad, when you're at work, you should be changing the environment. And where you work should not be changing you. And so this is why I believe that Jesus uses this language. But there's this big statement that I, that I, that I have in my notes. I'm going to just read it off to you. It's put it on the screen. It says, until you start to dwell with others, it's only when you start to dwell with others do you begin to do what you are created to do. It's not until you dwell with others that you begin to do what you were created to do. Because here's the deal. As long as the salt is in the salt shaker, it's not fulfilling its purpose. Now, I meant to bring my wife's salt shaker from home because it's really nice. If you know my wife, everything is nice, even the salt shakers inside the pantry. It's a clear bottle. It's got a gold cap. Gold. Gold. Okay, gold. And that's just how we do it at the Herrera household because my wife, she's got such touch in class. But, but listen, the salt's not supposed to stay in the shaker. The Salt's supposed to come out of the shaker. That's its purpose. And as much as you like looking at salt inside of the shaker, it's not actually doing what it's supposed to do. The salt isn't affecting change as long as it remains in the shaker. Now, here's the deal. What happens with Christians is we like being Christian in church. We love being Christians in church. We love coming to church on Sunday and acting Christian. But then come Monday, we act the fool. No, I'm kidding. But it's just like, you know, it's like come, come Monday through Friday, and you got to get out the shaker and... It's like, ah, uh, I'm not really affecting change the way that I'm supposed to affect. And listen, if, if God dealt with the sin issue, catch, catch me now. Did he really deal with the sin issue just so that you can sit inside church one hour a Sunday? 
Like, like was that the reason he died? Was, was that the reason he reconciled the world back to himself? So he can come to church on Sunday and sweat it out in a tent. Like, was that the purpose of him sending his son? Or are we starting to take on an identity and choosing a function and a purpose that is not really his desire for us? And, and, and this is why he says that the salt loses its saltiness, it's, it's losing its identity. And, and, and here's, here's why at Growth Track, we try to help you identify your spiritual gifts and put you on a team because you don't begin to operate in the purpose that God has for your life until you are operating a capacity where you are putting others before yourself. Thank you, Seisha. But it's the truth. And, and we got to be careful because culture is trying to push us towards selfishness. And Jesus showed us that a life should be lived selflessly. The culture is trying to get you to put yourself above everyone else. And yet Jesus showed us that the only way you're really living is when you've died to yourself and you are now living for others and serving a purpose that's greater than yourself. And you are living your life in a way that pleases our father. And so we have to resist that urge to do it for ourselves. You start to lose your saltiness. We have to resist that urge to live selfishly. You're losing your saltiness. And this is what Jesus was dealing with here in Matthew 5. He says, listen, you got to stay salty. Look at your neighbor and tell him, stay salty. I know culture did something different with that. You know what I mean? Let's bring it back. Let's redeem the word. Stay salty. But then he has another descriptor. He says, you're also the light of the world. You're also the light of the world. So nobody lights a candle or no one turns on a light and hides it. You know, let your light shine. And all the introverts in the room have a, have a struggle with that one, right? Where are all my introverts at where you're like, let my light shine? No, I want to go home and eat pizza. Like, I don't want to let my light shine. <laughs> and then the extroverts, is funny because your mom told you you're the light of the world, so you believe it. You know what I mean? Like, all oh, the extroverts, you just think you're a little miss everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like, calm down, all right? So I struggle with this, but not because I'm an introvert. But where I struggle with really taking this posture that I am the light of the world is that I know that I'm broken. I know that I have my flaws. I know that I have weaknesses. And if I'm a light bulb, my light bulb don't work. And, and, and if I'm supposed to let my light shine, I don't think there's anything in, within me that is worth following. There's, there's nothing within me that would make someone say, I, I want what Pastor Josh has got if it's just me. But I realized, and what God reminds me of, is I'm not the bulb to this light. He's the bulb. He's the light bulb. I just got to get that on the inside of me, turn it on, and let the light shine. So if you're taking notes, write that down. I am the light of the world because of who is dwelling in me. And so it's not for me to go out and brag on myself. I'm supposed to brag on the God who lives inside of me. I'm not supposed to go and tell people about what I've done and tell people about how awesome God made me and tell people about all the gifts and the talents that I have. None of that matters. The only thing that's worth saying to other people is letting them know about the God who lives deep down on the inside of me. And when you let others know about your God and when you point other people to your Savior, it is only then that they're going to want what you've got. And so you, you've kind of got to get to this place where, where, where I've been at, where I've completely surrendered who I am and, and just accepted the fact 
that I'm not the bulb. He's the bulb. He's the one living inside of me. He's the one that has to shine through me. It's just my job to allow him to shine through me. It's just my job to make sure other people are seeing him. Said differently, it's your job to get out of the way. It's just your job to get out of the way. And sometimes you'll live in such a way that you're getting in the way of letting other people see him. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and tell him with a loving and sincere smile, get out of the way. (laughs) Come on, do that real quick. Just get out of the way. Because he's in us, and because he's in us, he wants to shine through us. And, and, and I really want you to get that here, Lighthouse Church, because we've been talking about dwell. We talked about Moses' tabernacle. We talked about David's tent. We talked about Solomon's temple. We talked about how he now dwells in us. But the point of all of that is simply this. As God dwells in us, now he asks us to go and to dwell with others. As God dwells in us, he asks us to go and to dwell in others. You see, there is a purpose to why he fills your life. There there is a purpose as to why he fills your heart. There is a purpose as to why he dwells in you. It is to bring you to that place where now you go and you dwell with others. And I'm talking about people far from God. Now, Now, this is... This is where, this is where, where, where the tension lies, Lighthouse Church. Because it's so much easier just to dwell with people who agree with me. It's so much easier to dwell with people who look like me. It's so much easier to dwell with people who, whatever, vote like you, dress like you, eat like you. You pick, your, you pick whatever it is, okay? It's just so much easier to be with my people. And yet, others are typically your assignment. Others are often your assignment. People who don't look like you, people who don't vote like you, people who don't share your values, and yet God puts his light on the inside of you so that your light can then shine with them. He says, I put my light in you so that you can go and dwell with others. I'm I'm gonna come to a close now, but let me tell you three quick stories here in my conclusion that illustrates this. Let me, let me go to the very first miracle of Jesus. How many of y'all remember the very first miracle of Jesus? Very, very, very first one. So the very first miracle of Jesus in John chapter 2. For some of you, this is your most favorite miracle in all of the Bible. Because he turns water to wine. Some of y'all been reenacting that miracle every night at dinner ever since. In honor of the fact that he did this miracle. But John chapter 2. Some of y'all getting it. John chapter 2, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So Jesus shows up to this wedding. His mom is there. Everyone's there. And this is the place that Jesus chooses to do his very first miracle. Where was the miracle not? The miracle was not in his, his connect group. The miracle was not in the temple. The miracle didn't happen around a bunch of Jesus followers. He hadn't even started doing anything yet. He's just just starting to step out. As a matter of fact, no one even knows that Jesus is the Messiah except for his mama. (laughs) And I I won't go into all the passage, but his mom was like, they're out of wine. And he's like, what does that have to do with me? She's like, do something, you know. (laughs) And so he does. It's the very first miracle recorded in the Bible. But think about it for a second. It happens as he's dwelling with others. 
He chooses his very first miracle in the Bible to happen, not when he's in the temple, not when he's with people that are similar to him, but just to be out in a social setting with other people outside of the church, and that's where he does his first miracle. Where? With others. Dwelling with others. Being with others. Present with other people. Jump two more chapters over. Let's go to John chapter 4. It's another story where we see something happen. In John chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus is walking through Samaria with his disciples. He gets hungry. So he decides to have a seat at the well. When he gets, sits down at the well, um, kind of have this intro. I'm not going to read the whole story, but let me just give you some of the story. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground. Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So there's a well there, and that's where Jesus decides to sit down. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now, Jesus doesn't perform a miracle, but here's what he does do. He evangelizes to that woman. That means he, he shares faith with this woman. And when he's done sharing faith with her, she goes back to her city and she tells everyone about him. She thought that he was a prophet from God. She's not wrong. And she tells her city, the whole city gets saved because Jesus decided to dwell at a well. And I love the way that rhymes. But Jesus just decided to just hang out by a well. And when he did that, here comes this lady, checkered past, a lot of stuff going on. She came at noon so nobody could see her. And there's Jesus. What's up? <laughs> Give me some water. And it kicks off a great conversation. But notice that when Jesus decided to dwell at a place where others were, when, when he, he was present with people, it gave way to an entire city coming to faith. Let me show you one more. This is the last one. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Six days before the feast of the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Lazarus was the man that Jesus raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So Jesus' friends are throwing him a party. They're like, Jesus is in town. Let's eat. I love Jesus. He ate so much in his ministry. <laughs> My God. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. It's like Jesus is just reclining at the table. I don't even need to let my kids recline at the table. Catch my kids reclining at the table. Joanna's going to put hands on them. No, okay. I'm just like, but Jesus is just chilling at the table. And then Mary took a pint of pure nard, which is expensive perfume. She pours it on Jesus' feet, and she wipes his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. Again, no miracle happened here, but I want you to catch what's happening. Jesus just having dinner with people, just being present with other people. This woman takes perfume, and, and many scholars believe that the cost of the perfume that she broke and poured on Jesus' feet was equivalent to one year's salary. I don't know how much you make, but I don't, I don't buy anything worth one year's worth of my salary. Like, I'm not buying that type of cologne. That's just way too expensive. That's just not in the budget, right? And I be not in the budget. So here's this woman. She gets this perfume that's worth one year's worth of wages. She breaks it. She pours it on Jesus' feet. With her tears in her hair, she begins to wipe his feet. At a dinner where he's just being present with people. And when she does that, Jesus says this. I'm going to tell you what he said and then I'm going to tell you what he meant. He said, this is going to be an everlasting memorial for her. What he meant was, we're going to talk about this moment forever. 
we'll never stop talking about this moment. And here we are, August 7th, 2022, talking about that moment. And that moment started off as dinner. It was just dinner. And, and, and I believe that God puts his light on the inside of us so that through these moments, these, these everyday moments, if, if we would just get to this place where we realize that he has not filled us with his spirit just to huddle amongst ourselves for one hour on a Sunday, but he's filled us with his spirit to go and be present the 167 other hours of the week that you're not here, that you would be present with others, living among them, abiding among them, you being the agent of change, not the other way around where they are changing you, but that you are being God's agent of change in every environment that you step into. What's the story that they'll say about you because you let his light shine through you? What's the story that they'll say about you just for letting God's light shine through you? I'll never forget when we launched this church. Y'all can come on up now. How many of y'all were there for our launch service Mission Hills High School. Y'all remember that day? I'll never forget. A young man made the drive from 29 Palms. Y'all know where 29 Palms is? I didn't know where it was. It's okay if you don't know where it is. It's far. It's like you go to Palm Springs and you just keep on going. You just keep going. Young man shows up. He's about to, he's about to go to jail. He's, he's, he, there's a verdict. He's got to turn himself in. He's about to start doing time. And he shows up to the Sunday launch service. And I recognize him because I prayed for him one time. This is like going months back. I prayed for him at a church service in Riverside. So we're not even close. And he tells me, and I, I see him, I'm like, it's that guy. I'm like, do you live in the area? He goes, no, I live in 29 Palms. What are you doing here? I wanted to be here for the launch of your service. He said, when you prayed for me that day, everything changed. When you prayed for me that day, my whole life changed. Now, I, I, I made some mistakes prior to that. I've got to go serve a sentence. But I got up this morning knowing that I had to be here. I'm about to go to jail this week. And, and I just want to be here for this. It means a lot. And he brought a couple of pictures with him. It was very thoughtful. A couple of pictures of lighthouses. And he told me, he's like, but I had some trouble getting up. When I woke up this morning, my car wouldn't start. So I asked my auntie. I said, auntie, will you please take me to church? And she was all excited that he would even want to go to church. Of course, I'll take you to church. Which church are we going to? <laughs> told her auntie, we're going down to San Diego. And she took him. She took him and brought him here to the launchers. I could tell you story after story after story of stuff like that that has happened in my life because of just simply being available. Pastor Peter, our youth pastor, I prayed for him at a camp. I don't remember. I love Pastor Peter. I feel bad that I don't remember. But he remembers. First time I sat with him and his wife, Ruth, do you remember me? I'm like, no. From what? He's like, when I was 16, <laughs> let's let, see you know how much younger I was back then. He's like, when I was 16, you prayed for me at a camp. And that moment impacted me so much that when I found out you were starting a church up here, I knew I just had to be here for it. And he joined the team. Again, I could tell you story after story like that, where simply just by letting your light shine, just letting, just letting your light shine, how 
you'll never know the extent to which God will use you to make a difference in someone's life. And the crazy thing is it's not just a difference in their life, but it can change generations after them. I'm here today because someone saw fit to bring the gospel to my grandfather. As a matter of fact, uh, my pastor, Pastor Sam, he pastors the Chula Vista campus. His dad officiated my grandparents' wedding. Like, we go back. (laughs) But it was because someone took time to tell my grandfather about Jesus. Because someone took time to tell my grandfather about Jesus. An entire generation of people have, have followed after this. So church, I'm just, I just want you to get this lighthouse. You, you are not filled with his presence to just dwell in a tent one hour on a Sunday. He fills you with his presence. He lights you on fire so that you can go and dwell with others and you can be the light and you can be the change and you can make an impact and you'll never know just how deep that impact will run unless you get out there and you open up your mouth and you share the love of Jesus with them. And the darker this light, the darker this world gets, the brighter our lights have to shine. I'm so convinced of that. And if, if, if you want God to use you in that way, would you lean in so I can pray with you? I just want to bless you right now. But if, but if, if you want God to use you with others, if you want God to use your life with others, if you want to bring change to where you work, and if you want to bring change in your community, if you want to be bring change into whatever social setting and circles that you're a part of. Let me bless you right now. Let me pray over you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for every person that's here. I thank you, God, for their heart, Lord, to just see you shine through them. God, we've just been on this journey of you dwelling with us, but God, none of that matters if we don't go and dwell with others. You didn't fill us with your light just so we could come and shine the light in a bright place, but you filled us with your light so that we can go and shine in dark places so we would go to places where people don't know you so that we would go to places where people don't they, they don't fear you we can go to places where God people just need hope and I'll pray that as we close out this series Father that you would ignite us to go and to be that light that, that we would do what you did and that we would go into places and settings and venues and just be a light in those places God that we would just be present with people who are far from you that we would be present with people who don't look like us, people that may not agree with us, people, Father, that might not be in our circles, but we would be present with them, always pointing them to you, Father. We thank you, God. And would you ignite us today? In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I'd love to get you on your feet right now. As I pray for you, I would love for you as the worship team sings. Just begin to lift your hands and now pray your own prayer. Come on, would you do that? What do you need God to do in your life? Come on, let's go. What do you need God to do in your life? Would you just tell him? Father, I need you to heal my body. Father, I need you to heal my marriage. Father, I need you to open a financial door. Come on, Lighthouse. This is your moment to go before your maker and just pray a prayer of something that you need him to do in and through you. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.